Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, my name is Aid. you are listening to show 78 and uh, oh what are we doing this week? I don't know we've got lots of stuff to talk about I, and uh, there's this is the week that we finally got I got paired up with my emulsive secret Santa. Um, sadly somebody that I don't know at all so I can't play any tricks or or give any specially tuned uh, presents but that's something that's in my mind and I'm seeing that a lot on the Twitters this week but enough about Emulsive we talk about him far too much anyway uh, just me and the boy wonder this week because uh, Rachel is um, uh, as Graham said earlier on busied herself into a corner so uh, she can't spare the time to be with us this week but we still love her anyway um, how you doing Graham? I'm not doing too bad. I'm actually in a bit of discomfort at the moment because I've currently got my um, knuckles in an ice pack. Because um, this might not sound great, but I got into a bit of an argument with my nine-year-old son, which has led to my <laughs> knuckles now being in an ice pack. Um, I should explain that I, I didn't punch his lights out. I just kind of wanted to. He has inherited from me a terrible, very fast temper. And what happens is I'll do something, he'll lose his temper, and then I'll lose my temper even more. And this evening that ended up with, with me smacking the table rather hard. Um, and, and that really showed Elliot, because he doesn't care at all, and I've now got my fist in a nice pack. So it's <laughs> okay. been a real victory for parenting. So so the most important thing is, what did you learn from the experience? <laughs> oh, I'm an idiot, is what I learned from this experience. And what I'm hoping is that Elliot looked at that and went, oh God, I need to not grow up to be like that idiot. <laughs> okay well you can redeem yourself this evening because you've got work to do because you've got an interview to do with our very special guest so you could start off by introducing him we have got a very cool guest this evening and i first of all I want to say thanks to rach for organizing it all right before she bailed at the last minute thanks rach um <laughs> joining us this evening the proprietor propri- propri- if i'm failing over proprietor i'm never going to get through the name okay the proprietor of the let's explore magazine it's killian itzinger is that close, Killian? Close enough. Thank you. Enough. <laughs> I gave it a go. Killian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the Let's Explore magazine or um, familiar with yourself, um, just, a, a, I suppose, a, a very quick introduction. The, the Let's Explore magazine is this beautiful publication, which you very kindly sent out a copy of to myself and Aidan. I think Rachel's got one as well. Um and uh, we'll talk about that at, at much greater length later. But first off, can you give us a bit of your background and what led you to wanting to create uh, a magazine in the first place? So um, I'm a graphic designer by trade. Um, I went to art school here in the in the Netherlands and I did a master's uh, in editorial design. So it specializes in uh, magazine and book design. And I... Um, finished that education about 11, 12 years ago and started working for different publishing agencies uh, in the Netherlands, uh, designing magazines and books, which I still do for a living. And at one point, uh, as creatives go, they want to make something for themselves. And uh, I didn't know exactly what, so I started with... Um, photographing more, which I already had um, classes in art school. Um, and from there, basically uh, started creating more and more uh, in my spare time. And um, at one point thought, okay, I have to take this to a next level. 
uh, and that was um, trying to learn something new, which uh, eventually was creating a website. And that website had to be filled. And so uh, I was either going to uh, create my own stories or share the stories of others, which in the end was the case. So I started interviewing people that inspired me and just putting on the, the interviews on the website or photo essays I made um, during the week or in the weekends or holidays. But being a print lover, uh, I wanted to make a magazine. So I started with a, a dummy. Uh, with content from the website just to see how everything would work and if it would work at all. And once people started asking about buying the dummy magazine, I had and I had to disappoint them because there was only one copy, I started to think about where to go next from there. And that's basically, uh, this was around the time that I uh, started thinking about doing a sabbatical together with my girlfriend. And we spent three months in Southeast Asia, and I had the time then to uh, think about how to take this further. And that's where the idea for Kickstarter came about. And so the Kickstarter is what led to um, episode, episode issue zero of the Let's Explore magazine. Exactly. Um, and can you remind me what the, because uh, they all have um, uh, titles, don't they, that kind of I suppose, give a, a broad shape to the work within. What was the title of the first one? The Yeah, I, I call it a theme. Um, it's uh, The first one was Belonging, and the current issue is uh, Crossroads. And what I always try to do is somehow connect the theme to my personal uh, life. So where I'm at at the moment, either uh, myself or with uh, the magazine or the, the publishing agency I started. And belonging felt like an appropriate uh, theme for the first one where I was uh, exploring where the magazine would actually fit within the, the realm of uh, publishing and magazines and travel magazines or photography magazines. Mm. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to create the magazine no matter what. And the plan for the Kickstarter was to get as much money uh, as possible uh, and at least get enough funding to get the, the magazine going and the idea was to actually have the magazine ready, ready before I actually started the Kickstarter. So all the stories were there, uh, the design was there which made the Kickstarter easier because people already knew what they were getting. Yeah. And once I was working on the actual magazine, uh, at one point I figured, okay, it doesn't matter if the Kickstarter will work or not. I'm just going to make this magazine because it has to be published. Yeah. Um, but luckily uh, the Kickstarter got funded. So I had, uh, I had enough uh, funding to actually print the magazine. And because everything was already all uh, before I started, I could... Uh, send out the first magazines, I think, within three weeks after funding the Kickstarter. Wow. I mean, that has to be the fastest turnaround of any Kickstarter campaign ever. That is pretty yeah. impressive, I have to say, yeah. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. You Obviously, your background in publishing has clearly influenced this, but you know, we've talked a lot about um, the fact that a lot of people have been publishing zines um, this year and that's uh, and in previous years, but it's I think it's really growing momentum. Uh, Rachel talked last week about the fact that she just received the... Um, copy of Barnaby Nutsine and then you know we see loads of activity um but 
what you've produced is um, it's a lot more substantial piece of work than that. In fact, I, I think the easiest way to describe it is almost like a softback coffee table book um, because it's it's a, it's it's thicker than any magazine that I've ever come across, and the production quality um, and everything about it really it doesn't come across as being magazine like in any way. Um, it's a keeper. What, it's a keeper, exactly. This is absolutely something that you would put on a coffee table and look at and go, look, aren't I intelligent and intellectual because I've got this on my coffee table? Um, you have to do you have away. a coffee table? <laughs> I do. It's covered in video game controllers, so that's working against any books I have on. Um, what made you decide to go for something which is, is very ambitious as a project right out the gate like that, rather than going for something more like a traditional smaller scale magazine or something like that? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> you. You can't see me, but I'm blushing uh, from your kind words. Um, yeah, I always thought when I, when I create something, it has to be good and without um, any restrictions. Um, there's always a way of making something happen. At least that's what I like to believe. Um, and working with um, so many talented photographers or artists and uh, storytellers story in general for the um, Zero issue, um, the longer it took, the more it dawned on me that it had to be very special because these were all people who were in it for free and they participated because they wanted to and not because I was able to pay them for sharing their story. And um, I wanted to give something back to them as well. And I'm, uh, when I contact uh, photographers or uh, writers, I never promise exposure uh, because I'd like to keep my promises and that's something I can't promise. Mm. Uh, so my question always is you only part or you participate if you want to. And if you can't, for whatever reason, or you desperately have to get paid, then please uh, tell me you can't participate because um, you have other things at hand. And that's perfectly fine. I totally understand that because we all have to make a living. Um, which this mentality somehow creates this small community for a single issue. And the only thing I can do is present all the stories the best way I can and use my... Uh, expertise also in production value and design to make that happen yeah so um talk to us about how the um content comes together you've got two issues out now how do you um are you approaching people specifically for these issues or are you putting a general call out and then deciding whose work fits and whose doesn't with the theme um how does it all come together so um, I usually, um, well, this is a project which um, I work on uh, beside a full-time job, but it takes um, all the free time I have, um, even in my mind, not even practically working on it. So it's something which is with me constantly. <clears throat> and working um, with a theme uh, from my own uh, life makes for a very personal magazine. So what I try to do is... I write, uh, I write down a theme and try to come up with as many angles as possible because crossroads or um, belonging are fairly broad themes and they can be interpreted 
in 1000 ways and the most difficult thing for somebody who is creative is work without restrictions so what i try to do when writing down the theme is um, make it read like uh, a little story in itself and that people can find their own interpretation of that theme and i invite people to pitch their take on the theme in a um, in a pitch of 100 words and um, 10 or 15 images. And it doesn't have to be final whatsoever. It's basically something we can talk about. And from there, I try to make a selection of the people who are uh, uh, going to be published within the magazine, which is a pain in the butt because you <laughs> have to disappoint a lot of people. And um, of course, because I'm working on it, for so long, um, I tend to have a couple of people in mind when I'm working on a theme, and then I ask them personally if they want to participate. Um, and when people are approaching you, or when you're, you're sort of getting people to come in and get involved with it, um, I would imagine that a lot of people that are getting in touch are quite comfortable with providing the images because that's what they do. How how do you find it approaching people and saying, okay? we need the stories to go with these, we need the words, because that's the thing, it's not just photographs. With each um, artist's work, there is their writing to go alongside it. And, um, that, and that's not something that comes naturally to everybody. Not every photographer is somebody who should necessarily be taking <laughs> um, pen to paper. So um, how do they get on with that? Is that a thing that you have to work with people for? Or um, have you actually found that they've been very good coming forward with their own fully formed thoughts on stuff? Uh, it depends. Some some are um, uh, feel comfortable writing, uh, others don't. Um, and I always ask uh, when they are pitching their story if they feel comfortable uh, writing. And so I have three formats of uh, stories. It's either a written story or a photo story, which is pretty much a 50-50 words and images, or a photo essay, um, which is mainly images. And from there I can try and fit them in within the magazine. But when once selected, it will become a collaboration of sorts. So I know which stories go before and after a specific story. And what I want to do is try to create a magazine or a publication that um, where every single story is bound to the next or that they fit well together, even if the angles uh, to the specific story is completely different. So um, it's basically uh, one big brainstorm and we work together to the, towards the best piece. And I try to keep uh, my influence uh, to a minimum because it's not my story. It's the story of the storyteller who is pitching their story. Um, when you talk about, it's, that's really interesting you say that because as you said, each artist is putting together their story through the images and words and then you're putting together the bigger meta story of the magazine itself by the way that you're sequencing the work within it. So obviously you and, and the, the choices that you're making. Um, I read in the back of um, the, the most recent issue, the um, Crossroads issue, um, you put a, a lovely tribute to your mother who um, uh, passed before you were able to get the first issue out there. Um, and it was really interesting for me reading that and looking at the work that you'd selected to go through Crossroads, um, because it, thematically, as well as the, the Crossroads interpretation, a lot of it felt very much like it was 
looking back towards a world that's kind of disappearing or disappeared um there's um several articles on um countries which are have got cultures which are you know being left behind um i think one of my favorite pieces um was the work i can't remember the artist unfortunately um but the photographs from cuba which i just thought were fantastic i absolutely loved those um but there's others from all around the world was that something that you were aware of that you were doing or was it you know just completely subconscious um uh, my mother passed away a little over two years ago so that is um, very fresh in my mind and it comes up every once in a while uh, more or less clearly and i think that all the pieces came together once i was almost finished with uh, this particular issue and what i do when everything is pretty much wrapped up i start writing the the letters editor um, editor's letter and um, the stuff in the back came um, actually I believe on the day before I went to print, it was just something that I had to get out, uh, out of my system and into the magazine because I realized that it was more of an influence than I uh, experienced while creating the actual issue. So it's, yeah. I think it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it was, it was it was a lovely sentiment in the back and just reading it and then going back through the magazine it, I don't know, it resonated with me whether, whether or not it's entirely in my own head or not. Um, so you've got these two um, issues out of the way. Uh, an interesting thing about your project is that you've described it as a when it's ready magazine. Um, exactly. You haven't set yourself any publishing deadlines or anything like that. Um because you, this is not how you are making your money. This is, you know, this is a side thing that you're doing primarily for the artistic enjoyment and satisfaction of putting it together and bringing other artists' work to the fore. Um, mm -hmm. Does that make it harder to press on with the next issue of it? Because you don't have any sort of deadline or any pressure, is that almost going, well, I'll get around to it because <laughs> other things crop up in life. And I mean, do you almost wish in a way that maybe you had set yourself some sort of target to keep things rolling or is it you find it fairly easy to keep motivated without that? Yeah, um, there's a, a very um, deliberate reason why I'm calling it a When It's Ready magazine. Um, it's because, like I said, I don't want to make promises I can't keep. And um, this is a passion project of mine and it's becoming more and more passion project for others and with others. And um, I don't want to be rushed to meet uh, an editorial deadline. I want the stories to be as as good as they can be. And the images have to be as good as they can be. And I don't want to push people who put their heart and soul into the magazine to feel stressed to finish their stories just so I can meet my deadline. Uh, like I said, I'm not paying anybody to participate or to collaborate, so it really should be a joint effort and everybody should be happy about the process as well. So that's mainly the reason why uh, it's a When Ready magazine. Um, and in terms of feeling motivated to actually keep working on it, uh, the problem is that I don't have enough time. 
I have um, too many ideas of creating a theme or a design change or other publications that I don't feel it hard to, to keep working on it. And it actually helps me, uh, the, the creative struggle helps me to define the next theme uh, as it may. So I, I haven't completely wrapped up the next theme for the next issue, uh, which I will be launching very, very soon. But it has to do with this creative struggle a little bit about um, setting things aside and uh, working towards your uh, new goal, as it were. That, that sounds like uh, a subject, a theme that pretty much everybody listening to this podcast, anybody who's ever picked up a camera or indeed any sort of artistic thing, it will definitely be able to relate to. Um, which brings me on to another thing. I mean, what I was very surprised by is that um, your uh, magazine, um, it's got film photography in there. I know that because it's got work by people who I know in there and some of them who talk about using analog um, cameras. I don't know whether there's also digital work in there or not. Um, but there is also um, just um, like artwork. Uh, is it ink drawings um, that's in there? You know, not photography at all, um, mm -hmm. only by one artist. Um, but it, I mean, it was great. It was a lovely surprise to see that. Um, is this something that you always, ha always had in mind? Like, no, this is going to be a kind of a mixed media magazine, or is it a case that you put the call out there and, and this artist came along and said, well, I've got this, this is my story. And you went, oh yeah, actually this fits. Um, it's it's something that grew. Um, it's um, for me. It's a process as well. I uh, when I work with clients I'll, and we work on a magazine, I always tell them that you le you need at least three issues of a magazine just to find your own uh, voice, uh, as it may. And this is something that grew over time um, alongside the idea that it's more and more about the artists and the stories they share instead of. Um, creating a photography magazine or a travel magazine, uh, mm -hmm. um, which is theme-based. So the more I was thinking about that the story is the center of it all, uh, I actually invited this artist to share his story because I just, I simply liked his work and I liked the, the way he presented a certain dialogue within his work. Mm. So I asked if he would um, share his story and uh, he was happy to. And as it, uh, for uh, film photography, uh, there is digital in there, um, but I really don't mind. Like I said, it's it's the story that matters, and um, I don't really mind if it's f uh, digital or film or both, or if one is using presets on a digital uh, image to make it look like film. I really don't care as long as the story is good. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, and, and the fact that I couldn't tell you one way or the other which ones are using film and which ones are using digital, with the exception of John Wilkening's work, which I know is definitely film, um, speaks volume. I think sometimes that we in the the um, the smaller, well, the, the vocal part of the analogue film community can get very hung up on the fact that things, oh, we should be filmed. Well, I mean, the art is the important thing, really, not the tool. Mm -hmm. um, we love using these tools, but that's not enough of a reason to stick with that. Um, 
part of the reason which you um, said you started doing the magazine was one to express yourself and try out these things, but also as a um, kind of proof of concept of what you can do um, so that other people can go, oh, well, maybe I can work with you to get this done. And, and as an offshoot of this, uh, you started doing journals with individual art artists. Could you talk to us a bit about those? Yeah, so that came from the frustration that not everybody f uh, can be fitted within the magazine, um, but they still have amazing stories to share. So what I wanted to do is also because the, um, the time frame between when an issue is launched uh, or published uh, is uncertain, I still want to keep the creative community going and keep creating and collaborating with in uh, inspiring uh, people. So, like I said, I have more than enough ideas of creating something. So, at one point I thought, well, why not help people who don't know how to publish uh, a zine or a book? Um, why not help them create that? It, for me, it's it wouldn't be fair for somebody to not create something because they don't have the technical abilities to do so if there is somebody around who is willing to help. So that's basically where the uh, Let's Explore Journal uh, idea came from. And luckily enough, there was uh, one photographer, uh, Simon Bray, who actually was working on a zine and was looking for uh, funding. Uh, so I was able to help him there. And the idea for the Let's Explore Journal is basically create um, uh, a standardized um, design uh, of a 40-page publication and then pretty much let a single artist do whatever he wants on those 40 pages. Mm -hmm. um, I'll help uh, with the layout or do it all by myself if the, um, the artist can't uh, do it at all. And I'll um, fund uh, the, the production of 25 copies and the photographer gets one copy of that and I'll distribute it and ship it and sell it in my website. And if the artist wants more copies or wants different paper, different size, different designs, then uh, I'm afraid I have to ask him to chip in because I can only do so much. Um, and I'm actually working with a couple of photographers uh, at the moment, working on uh, smaller journals, uh, but also on bigger books. Um, and I won't name them because, again, this is something you don't want to put the stress of time on. Um, but I am working with a couple of people. And I'm, uh, if anybody has any questions about uh, designing a zine or uh, producing it, then um, please reach out and uh, I'm happy to talk. That does sound like an incredible resource. So with these journals, are you still being selective about which ones you take on at this point? Um, not as much as with the magazine, because the journal will be um, from the artist and the artist alone. I, I'm just offering a platform. Yeah. The magazine is pretty much my... Uh, creation and I work together with others so there's a little bit more of my handwriting in there but even with the magazine that I want um, the stories of the artist to be as genuine of the artist and less about me so that, that does seem like a, a, for somebody who who may have been thinking about 
putting together a zine and maybe has seen the Let's Explore magazine and would really like to go down that route and try and produce something of that quality and style, then um, they should get in touch with you through your website. Um, yeah. That's because I've seen the pictures of the um, the first journal you've got out, and I mean, it does look absolutely lovely. I said all of these things, uh, they just, they as I said, it's a keeper. It's something that you want to stick around forever. <laughs> this is not something you stick in the magazine rack and forget about. Um, um, t- tell me about the choice of the front cover of your magazines, because you've got all these wonderful artists. How do you decide whose work goes on the front cover of these things? Because that has to be <laughs> the hardest choice of all. <laughs> Um, yeah, funny story. Um, usually you want to pick your cover uh, image to be something which would sell well when it's lying in the magazine rack. Um, and I tend to not be affected by that, and uh, which ends up with uh, different kinds of uh, photography uh, on the cover and actually not as much wording as you would normally uh, would see. And the funniest thing is that the first uh, issue, so, so the zero issue, which was actually um, uh, an happy uh, happy accident of a photo shoot where um, the cover photographer um, didn't realize that he had to crank his winder twice to make the, the images uh, to photograph. So he ended up with a couple of rolls of ha- uh, half double exposed uh, frames and it actually fit the the story of busy New York City, never sleeps, uh, hectic, and you can't escape from it, uh, but you want to try and uh, slow down a little bit. It just made sense that there were half double exposures. So I pretty much instinctively thought, you know what, you have to be on the cover. It's just too perfect. Um, resulting also in a fold-out cover because the only way to experience the double exposures on half frames would be to actually be able to see part of the the roll. So the cover folds out on uh, both the front and the back. Um, And with the crossroads issue, uh, I think it's just uh, a gut feeling putting John uh, on the cover. I really like his work and I like his way of approaching photography and experimenting with uh, whatever he has uh, at hand and not being afraid to um, mess things up and just stay true to what he's doing and uh, in a way that resonated with me and uh, the way I want to make this magazine. So I put him on the cover. That seems like a good solution. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's like you were saying about the one from the first issue. It, 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 there's something about it that just captures the space that he's in in a way that nobody else does. Um, and also because John's work is so um, just intriguing because you can't see exactly what it is. It's a real enticement to open up the magazine and just go, what is in here? As opposed to an image which is very self-explanatory and, and tells you the whole story in one picture. Um you said earlier that you've got a lot of ideas and things that you want to do with the magazine. What are you hoping to, what's your aim with the magazine? What, what would you love to in 10 years time be able to look back and go, yep, I, I, I achieved what I want to do with this. What, where are you heading with let's explore? Uh, first of all, uh, if I am, my first goal would be to be making it still in 10 years. Um, it's something I really enjoy doing and, um, it really inspires me to 
um, experiment with my own photography as well and just keep creating without boundaries really. Um, so the, the dream is to be able to keep making it. Um, the problem therein lies that I need funding. So I pretty much pay everything out of pocket at the moment. Um, so um, that's something that um, needs to be addressed uh, at some point for me. Um, and yeah, it would be great if I could work uh, less and spend more time on uh, Let's Explore magazine, but I don't see that happening in the in the near future. So um, I'll just keep creating, and as long as I can make the magazine, I'm I'm happy, and I don't have to make money from it other than being able to pay for the production. Um, yeah, that's it. Just want to keep making it. That's the well. dream. I sincerely hope you can. Um, I know that you still got uh, copies of um, issue number one, which is Crossroads, the most recent one available in your store, for the incredibly reasonable price of 19 euros. Um, and like I, said, I cannot repeat this enough, <laughs> listeners. This really, the, the word magazine is underselling what this is significantly. It is a beautifully constructed um, piece of work and the work within it is wonderful. It really is. The the choices that you made with regards to the artists um, were fantastic. I really enjoyed all, all of it um, and some of it really stood out. As I said, particularly, I'm terrible for remembering names, but the, 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 the working Cuba in particular, I just looked at and went, oh, I love that. <laughs> I just love everything <laughs> about that. I'll have to have a look up in the right time and um, remind myself what the artist's name is so I can properly shout it out. Um, have you still got any copies of uh, episode uh, issue zero or have they nope. all gone now? No, they're all gone. They're, they're all gone. Uh, I uh, learned this week that somebody uh, found an issue lying around in Switzerland in uh, a magazine store called Lorem Ipsum. <laughs> so perhaps that they have, uh, they might have uh, another copy. And other than that, I I only know that they're sold out everywhere. Well, uh, I, I hope that in the future somehow you'll be able to convince people to give you plenty of money so that maybe these things can come back. Because <laughs> I can imagine nothing finer than having a bookshelf just with issue after issue all stacked next to each other. I think that would be quite wonderful. And um, I hope that you can make enough money to make this a full-time thing so that they can come out with uh, greater regularity because um, I would certainly support this going forward because, like I said, I think they are um, things that deserve to be out there in the world. And any artist who can get featured in them... Um, well, who, who, it's very hard to see how much uh, publicity anybody gets from this stuff, but just to have your work featured in such a nice way really is delightful. So everybody should go and check that out. I think so. I think so. Uh, thank you very much, Killian, for, for coming uh, and talking to us on, on the show. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of the things about, about the magazine that struck me is is just uh it, it, it that not not just all the things that graham has been saying about the quality of the imagery and the words and the uh, uh and the production but adding that in the way that you approach things like twitter and social media as well you you, you seem to be uh, if I may say so, a, a very generous participant in social media. <laughs> if I look down your Twitter feed, um, uh, you, know, you you are very, very regularly uh, giving exposure to other artists and, and complimenting them on their work, as, as well as telling your own story uh, about, you know, lots and lots of off-roading weekends and marvellous experiences. So. <laughs> 
you know, whatever it is that you do and however it ends up coming, I can see, you know, this this very generous approach to, to sharing other people's art, I think, is is something that really shines through in the product and, and really shines through in, in the way that you're approaching the social media side of things as well. So keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, well, we're going to have a quick break now. Killian, I hope you'll stay for the rest of the show, which will be our, our normal inf- mix of informative factoids and uh, gibberish and uh, in more intelligent contributions from listeners. Uh, so uh, back after this quick break. Hey everybody, uh, back from the break, which for you is about 10 seconds. For us, it's probably been about 20 minutes because we've had so much extra stuff to talk about with Killian, we couldn't stop. Uh, Having said that now, this is back to some proper Sunny 16 podcast business some very very serious business those of you who have been listening to us for a while what may remember that uh, we have an annual award show uh well we call it an annual award show we've only done it once but hey we're about to make it an annual award show and graham is going to tell us exactly in in great detail right now how that's going to happen Oh, Aid, I am so excited to be able to announce the 2017 Sunnies Awards. It's what everybody, literally everybody has been waiting for. Um, we're getting constant emails about it. The phone's ringing off the hook. The whole world is abuzz with this. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. Last year, um, back at the very beginning of the year, we had the first ever Sunnies Award, the inaugural Sunnies, if you will. And we are repeating that this year. Um it's great. It's the showpiece event for the analog community of the year. It's where we all get to put on our black ties and sparkly ball gowns. Um, it's very, very exciting. Which, which one my... of those are you going with this year? Oh, always a sparkly ball gown. Always. I don't get any other chance to wear them. So it's always a sparkly ball gown for me. Um for listeners who may not have been around this time last year uh, and who don't know what we're talking about, um, well, you should be used to that by now. But nonetheless, um, what we did last year was we had five categories. So just to um, quickly go over what those were, if I can remember what Aid just told me, we had uh, best Sunny 16 camera of 2016, which was the um, best camera that we'd been talking about on the show. Because we talked about several random cameras quite a bit, things like AIDS, Holger and his um, Instax and um, my Ronald, my great big large format cameras. That was that. We had best film of 2016. We had best new product of 2016. We had best thing i think was the one category is that right it it was yeah i think uh, but what we meant by that was sort of best non-photo thing that you do that you use for photography so like an extra gadget or something that you've repurposed that you can't do without yeah so uh, examples of what the high flies from that last year were things like rubber bands and uh, electrical tape i think which won in the end um and the last one was best lomographic ploy of 2016 um 
well, which meant, you know, best technique which people are perhaps overusing to try and make their pictures look interesting. Anyway, that was last year's um, categories. And who cares about last year? Because this is 2017. And so I'm sure you're all dying to know what new categories for this year are. Um, we haven't quite nailed that down yet because obviously this is a really important thing to get right. So this week I will be going to the community um, on Instagram and maybe Twitter, but probably just Instagram and also accepting all email suggestions to pick five great categories for this year um i think one of them certainly is going to be the best new product category because there's been so many new product categories this year um but beyond that i think we're going to have some fun with it this year so we will have five categories um and we will decide on those this week and i will make it very publicly known and then we will be putting up posts on instagram and on twitter and who knows if rachel gets her finger out maybe even on facebook and we'll be getting people to vote on their favorite things for each category throughout the month of december and then probably um, the beginning of January, we will have the Sunnies Awards going out. So um, please do keep an eye on your respective social medias to see what's going on with that. And if you aren't the social media, right, but you still want to get your voice heard, then listen to the podcast because we will talk about all the categories going forward and email us in with what you think should be on here and, and we are what you want to see. So um, I'm really excited about this. I loved doing the Sunnies last year. It was a lot of fun and I'm really looking forward to doing it again this year. Um, so yeah, everybody pay attention and be ready ready to jump on board with lots of uh, good arguing backwards and forwards about what you think is the best of whatever we decide we're going to be judging. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be definitely, it's going to be the best segue of the year because um, I think I'm, I'm a shoe in for that. Handsomest podcast host. I mean, again, well, at the very least, tallest podcast host. I've got a chance of that one. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, so. I, 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 I loved it too, actually. I think one of my favourite things is is just learning about all the extra stuff that people use to take their photographs. I'll tell you what, right, we'll put our guest on the spot here. So, Killian, tell, tell us one thing that's not really a photographic thing that you use to take photographs. Um, aluminum foil. Ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Go on, tell me more. Um, I use it to uh, to wrap in the, the 120 film after exposing it because I don't trust the, the <laughs> sticky tape. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's a good idea. I like that that's idea. A paranoid idea. What kind, of, <laughs> what kind of camera are you using? Is is this something that's prone to uh, having, as Aid likes to call them, fat rolls? Things like Holgers or um, Dianes or think, or is it a good camera? No, I'm I'm using a Mamiya six forty five and uh, a Yashica TLR. So. Do you also- <laughs> So this isn't about this isn't about fat rolls as they come out of the camera then, which is more of a dark bag issue anyway, isn't it? This is about protecting them in in your bag after you've taken them out of the camera. Yes, after exposing. Yeah. All right, I you can want, go with that. Do you also use the um, aluminium? That's how we say that word. Go on, none of this whatever <laughs> it was you said nonsense American stuff uh, to make a little hat to protect you from um, rays from outer space, Killian. <laughs> it's, it, keep, it keeps me sane. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get me one of those. <laughs> no, no, just, uh, that moment has passed, mate. <laughs> okay, all right. I tell you what, like, j- just because you've got to that point in the show where you like to start insulting the guests, it's time to move on, and we'll talk about some incoming messages from some of our listeners. Um, this is an odd one for me. Uh, I'm not sure I've actually ever read out on the show before a message from Facebook. 
Um, but Rach has shared with us, although she can't be here, uh, she has shared with us uh, some messages from Ra- from from Rachebook. <laughs> Let's call it Rachebook from now on. That yeah. sounds much better than Facebook. Okay, the Rachebook messages. Right. Uh, first one. Here we go. Hello there. Rick from the States here. I've been mainlining the show up to episode 10. Oh, blimey. Since I heard about you on Tips from the Top Floor. Oh, I never heard of them. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know I don't approve, though. I'm loving it so far. Been shooting films since the 90s. Good man. Uh, Digital now, but still have time for film and home developing. Okay, all right. Well done, Rick. Thanks for getting in touch, and I hope you're enjoying the show. He says, one comment. Graham's voice sounds exactly like Chris Marquardt's voice, but with an English accent. (laughs) Are you sure Chris M hasn't been working with you all along? (laughs) Ultimate undercover work there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Defend no, yourself. No, you carry on. You carry on. You want me to carry on? Okay, well, I'll tell you what. So Rachel has given us some good guidelines for how to treat this message. Apart from just saying thanks to Rick and hope you enjoy the show, she says, maybe have Graham try a German accent just to be sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this is definitely a good This is idea. going to be really faulty towers, isn't it? <laughs> okay, okay. This is going to be my um, impression of uh, your new podcast co-host, Chris Marcus. Uh, hello, and welcome to Tips from the Top Floor. <laughs> was it like he was in the room? Yeah, either him or the Swedish chef. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, yeah, yes. Well, we have some fun on this show, don't we? <laughs> Okay, all right, I tell you what. Uh second Rach book message then. Uh Graham, over to you. Okay. This one is from Jace Champney. Um hi guys, absolutely love your podcast. I'm a newbie to it and starting from number one. Oh god. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Um and not missing anything. I'm a Brit abroad living and working in Denmark. I'm an avid tog mainly shooting music gigs with digital and for my creative work i'm shooting film i use a hybrid workflow developing the negs myself in black and white and scan the negs to make small adjustments in lightroom i shoot 35 millimeter and medium format and i'm loving your chat about alternative cameras and films keep up the great work from jace champney um that's awesome. Thank you so much for getting in touch, Jace. Uh, shooting music gigs, I, I can completely understand why he goes with digital on that. I was at a gig um, on Saturday night, went to see a friend's band playing in Oxford, and I did have with me uh, a film camera. I had um, I had Hamish's Leica with me. I took that with me, and I'd shoved in some uh, oh, Neopan uh 1600 i think either the last Ooh, or the second you've still got some last. of that left wow i have still got some of that left it's, it's uh, five years out of date now but you know who's counting um and uh yeah i mean i it was so dark down in this little basement celery thing um i was just well i'll just open it right up and try and stand real still and i have and, I, and because there's no light meter i was completely guessing at what I'd, i was basically going, well this is what i could think i can possibly get away with hand holding it so that's what the exposure time is um so yes the flexibility of digital does make uh, some sense when you're down in uh, the very mixed like conditions of a music gig but there's such fun places and um yeah I, I love seeing i love seeing people's photography from gigs especially the ones that really capture the energy of the event that's great 
Yeah, I, I agree. Something I've not done enough of, actually. I should do I should do more of that. And thank you, Jace. So, all right, now on to emails. First email up is from Stephen Starr, who says, Greetings, sunbeams. Where did you get that from, Graham? That was really taking off, and I like it a lot. Uh, I pulled it out of my ass, same as everything else. Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, right, let's not dilute Stephen's email. Though. Greetings, sunbeams. <laughs> Many thanks for reading out my email last week. It was much appreciated support for the Mersey meetup. Just writing to let you know how it all went. Obviously, Rachel knows what happened as she was there. But she's not here, though, is she? No, she's not. She's she's. <laughs> oh, well, for the most of it, shall we say, I'll let Rachel explain about the quality of our local public transport. That sounds like she got too drunk to get the bus home, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we all met up as at Malmaison in Liverpool. We had seven of us in all, just a nice size for the group, I thought, apart from Rachel. <laughs> oh no, sorry, apart from Rachel and myself, we also <laughs> We also had it's difficult without the puncture, you know, sometimes I make mistakes. <laughs> without Ra- apart from Rachel and myself, we also had Steve Wales and his friend Bill from LCPS, the Liverpool Chinatown Photographic Society. That sounds like interesting stuff. Um, Just Garth, Tony Smith and Richie Perkins. To sum up what we did, we wandered around Liverpool, drank tea, wandered around a bit more, then drank beer. Simple. So I so enjoyed the day. They were all... uh, Sorry, they they were all so... No, hang on, my reading's terrible. I so enjoyed the day. They were all so great people in real life. And all with so much to share. The budge was... The budge? The budge? I'm not even drinking tonight. I'm really sorry, Stephen. I'm making a right hash of this. And all with so much to share. The buzz was tangible, I would say. And seeing everybody's cameras was really cool too. We definitely need to do it again. Sharing ideas with the group. We were thinking of four meets a year. Wow. Two of them photo walks, winter and summer, plus two other meets in between to do something like gallery visits. Let's see how it pans out. You know how things are after a couple of beers. I do indeed. Well, you say, yeah, sort of. But then it ends up being a lot more than a couple and I forget again. Anyway, uh, but very hopeful to do more. Sorry if I'm covering stuff that Rachel has already spoken about. No, actually, you might get promoted to being a member of the team, Steve. (laughs) So if you do read this one out, please do feel free to edit as much as you like. All the best. Steve. Stig. Call me what you like. Now, why did I not know that that was from Stig? Because I talked to Stig on on Twitter quite a lot. I think it's because you haven't paid any attention to the last few episodes where we've covered it at great length, Aid. I saw a picture. Actually, we both saw this picture that Rachel shared of them all out in the group. And, um, yeah, it looked like they were having a great time. Also, it looked like a right bunch of odd bods, but don't let them hear me say that. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. All right. Clearly, I haven't been paying attention then. Uh, do you have uh, Killian, I'm interested because there's been quite a lot of this um, sort of getting groups together in uh, this is was in Liverpool and I know there was one recently we talked about in Manchester and there's often get togethers in London age you met up with a load of guys there what's it like you're you're um, in Utrecht uh, however you say that <laughs> oh why do I even bother um, what's what's the sort of community like there for meeting up is there a good analog community or just a phot- photographic community in general to get out and hang out with there is a, a Facebook group uh, which uh, covers the Netherlands uh, as a whole. Um, but then again, in Utrecht, um, I have a, we have a pretty good, pretty decent lab here, uh, which I use fairly often. And there's um, uh, an art school in Utrecht as well where they teach photography. Uh, I'm not so sure if it's still f- uh, film photography. Um, 
but there is a group but in a way um i i actually really don't know because my focus has always been uh abroad one i don't know why but um that's something i'm trying to uh change within now in the next year or so yeah put some feelers out uh, and get people together that sounds good. It's always lovely meeting up with fellow film friends. I, I met up with, uh, just this Friday past, met up with um previous guest of the show, an all-round lovely chap, Rob Hawthorne, uh, in a pub. And um, we had some lunch together. It was great fun. Really nice to catch up with Rob and chat. And you'll be very pleased to hear, Killian, that we were talking about gear and buying stuff. And Rob said, I've stopped buying gear. I just buy photo books now. That's just what I'm spending my money on. So, um, yeah, couldn't agree with that sentiment more. It's... Uh... <laughs> good thing to do but yes it was very nice to meet rob and we did wander around and take some pictures and i let rob try out the uh, liker as well so he fired a few shots off i've told him if they're better than the ones i've taken i'm going to instantly delete them so <laughs> oh, marvelous okay all right uh next email from you graham well not from you obviously but Okay, this is great this is from another new emailer from paul friday dear sunbeamers may i tell you the tale as i know it more a confession, as I have nose greased more than one negative. Yes, it's the return of the nose grease. You thought you'd moved away from it, but no, it keeps coming back. We put the call out for um, a, a, an older photographer to get in touch and let us know their experiences. And here we go, a bona fide old man. I, I don't know how old Paul is. Apologies, Paul. But uh, um, I was young and, and intemperate and loaded most of my film from bulk, usually HP5. Those were the days when the end of a film canister could be popped off and the whole thing reused. These days you need a bottle opener which destroys the cartridge. So I'm guessing that Paul was, you know, he must have been shooting pre-World War One. I, I would guess. That's, I think that's probably the time we're talking about. <laughs> so having used my film cans many times, loaded from a rather old bulk loader and printing on my friend's Zenith portable enlarger, the odd scratch could occasionally be seen on my prints. I was reading every book in the library on photography and learned that the Fleet Street guys used a bit of nose grease and it can work. A thin smear on the base, non-emulsion side of a negative could hide some scratches in the base material. It needed care to avoid leaving a huge ghost fingerprint on the final print, but it was worth a try if the alternative was no print at all. And after some 35 years, the negatives are still fine. If you're worried, try cleaning a bit of film leader with nail varnish remover to check that it doesn't melt the film base or lift the emulsion. Then clean the greasy negs. Would it work with scanning? Don't know. I take the scratches out in software. Simples, Paul Friday. That's uh, awesome. Thank you so much for getting in touch with that, Paul, because that was our big question, was whether or not it would mess up the negatives over the long term. And, uh, yeah, 35 seems like a decent length of time to test that out. So that's great to hear. Um, I love these nose grease stories. <laughs> Always cheer me up. <laughs> Do you, have, you, have you tried it yet yourself? No, I haven't, because I haven't done any printing for ages. Um, it's getting to that time of year when the nights are starting to get dark very, very early. And so I'm starting to have more time in the evenings. And the uh, prospect of getting in the dark room is starting to raise its head again. So I'm really hoping. Um, I listened to the Classic Camera podcast this week, and they were all talking about getting back out there and doing some printing, because um, they're all up in Canada. And of course, it's probably dark there from about two in the afternoon till you know i'll let you go i'll let you know i'm going to canada next week i think oh well there you go can you bring me back some omgs please if let me put it another way bring me back some omgs 
I, yeah, so I still don't know what OMGs are because of all of the talk about how little or how much of the stuff that, that Angela sent us was going to be shared, I've received three-fifths of bugger all so far. I haven't eaten them yet. I was saving them till I see you, but we're not going to see you now, are we? Oh, you're the worst. You're the worst. Well, I guess what do you mean you're them. not going to see me? Because you're not, you're because I'm meeting up with Rachel, and you're now not going to be there because you're in Canada. Oh, what next week? Mm. Oh, because yeah, Rachel's coming. She's got uh, a gig in London, hasn't she, to do some sort of photography job? Is that right? Yes. Yes, she's doing another one of the events down at the um, Winston Churchill Tunnels. Oh, that was an awesome night out. We had a great night out. Yes, I forgot that that was next week. That's a sh- real shame. That would have been nice to meet up all three of us. We've never done that before. No, and you might have got your OMGs if we had. So. Oh, well. <laughs> You're just going to give them to her now, are you? You're just going to. No, I'm probably just going to eat them. There's no way Rachel's going. Well, all right. Well, you know, this is all going yeah. out in the published version of the show, so everybody will now know the real man you are. <laughs> Do you remember the part where I nearly got in a fist fight with a nine-year-old? They already know I'm an awful That's, human being. Yeah, well, that, 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 yes, I can understand. Like, if if you know, if you're going to lock your children in the coal shed of an afternoon in the winter, then you probably have more time for scanning, wouldn't you? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> okay. On that note, I think it's probably time to end the show, isn't it, for this week? I think we're going to get into into a, a spot of bother if we try and take it forward any further. Um, so uh, I think the first thing I would like to do is to say thank you very much to Killian for joining us, and say, Killian, is there um, where, where can people find you on the internet? What would you like people to to go and follow and 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 I guess to buy as well? <laughs> uh, well, th- first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I, I had a blast. Um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at let's Ex- let's explore Mag. Uh, the same on Instagram, let's explore Mag, and uh, on the internet, uh, let's explore magazine.com. And you can buy the magazine there as well. And I actually um, uh, left the, um, the shipping costs out uh, starting last week. And uh, just for your listeners, I'm adding another. Um, discount code so if people use sunny 16 with the number 16 at checkout they get another 15 percent discount Whoa, that's amazing that is amazing thank you very much i told you you were one of the most generous people on the internet <laughs> didn't i we're gonna have to have a like a massive like um loving death match between you and mike padua i think at some point <laughs> So you can really be the loveliest person on the internet. <laughs> it's not going to be M, that's for sure. Um, Killing, can I just ask, if people do order, this will go out on the... What day did we say this was going to go out? <laughs> uh, well, this particular show, it'll go yeah. out on Thursday the 30th of November. So um, if people order now, will they be able to get these in time for Christmas? Because I think these would make a lovely Christmas gift for, for not just the photographer, but for anybody who just appreciates art. And um, at these prices, you're giving them away. Quite literally <laughs> giving them away. <laughs> um, I reckon if you order um, by uh, December 8th, I would be able to ship them worldwide uh, to be uh, on time for Christmas. Awesome. That's okay. great to hear. Yeah, yeah, that is great to hear. So you heard it, heard it here then, listeners. Um, use the 
uh, the discount code uh, Sunny16 when you're buying your copy of Let's Explore magazine and do it by the 8th of December. So from the time this show comes out, you'll have a, over a week to make that order, which would only take two minutes anyway. And you'll still get it in time for Christmas for you or for your loved ones. And I just want to ask one last thing. Um, I know you said you haven't yet decided on the theme for the next issue of Let's Explore magazine. But when you do, where should people be keeping an eye out for information that when you maybe start looking for people who to sort of um, apply to contribute and stuff like that? Yeah. So uh, on the website, you can uh, subscribe to the newsletter, which I rarely use only to announce a new theme or the launch of a new magazine. So you don't have to be afraid to get spam uh, from me. Um, so that's where I will announce the theme first. And a week or so later, I'll share them via Twitter and Instagram as well. Awesome. And just because I said I would mention it and uh, and I hadn't done, um, the artist whose work I was particularly enamoured with um, from the book was Gillian Highland, um, who has recently done a Kickstarter that's finished now, so I missed it. But um, she's got a book coming out soon, and I would highly recommend anybody Googles her work because um, it's just uh, I I just love it. I really love her photography. It's this um, beautiful posed scenes um there's incredible stuff i have no idea what she's shooting with and i do not care because it's just beautiful art so um check out her work both in killian's magazine uh, on her now complete kickstarter and hand her website as well yeah i was gonna say don't google it <laughs> go to let's explore magazine.com and buy a copy of the magazine <laughs> and experience it properly <laughs> yeah well i mean that's what's inspired me to then go and seek further work but you see that's why Okay. All right. And on that note, I think we we really will uh, close the show, at least attempt to anyway. You can contact... Cont- <laughs> Never mind that. Nobody heard that. Let's move on swiftly. You can contact us on the internet. We are the Sunny 16 podcast on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, now known as, of course, Ragebook. Um, you can contribute to our Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group and very importantly, you can email us sunny16podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to next week's show um, because Graham's going to tell us all about the Sunnies and how we can, uh, how you can get in touch with us and uh, vote for your or nominate your favourite photography gadgets of the year uh, in line with our whatever we craft as our rewards mechanism for the year. So that is a good reason to get in touch. Uh, we also like to say thanks every week to Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for hosting the podcast and to Rachel's band Rocha for letting us use their music uh, from the album Promises I Should Have Kept which you can buy on Amazon or iTunes gentlemen is there any other business oh uh, it feels like there probably is but um, we'll save it till next week I think anything that I've forgotten I'll save my stuff till next week Killian uh, I think I'm good all right. I had a blast, and thank you again so much for having me. <laughs> you are most welcome. You are most welcome. In which case, folks, thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.